you have your Bible this morning, James chapter 3, 13 through 18 is our aim. If you want to go ahead and open up your copy of God's Word, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, you can open up the Pew Bible that's in front of you to page 855, and there you will find James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. And while you're getting there, while you're opening up, if you wouldn't mind standing with me as we read God's Word together, as you follow along in your copy of God's Word together, James chapter 3, 13 through 18. We finished in verse 12 last week, so we work our way through verse 13, and you'll see many a linkage point between the two verses. So James chapter 3, 13 through 18. If you have your copy of God's Word, again, would you follow along uh, with it? Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's pray together. Lord, help us. These words are heavy and they are good, but help us. Would the the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, Lord, be pleasing to you. You are our rock and our redeemer. Our prayer is always that as we leave the back doors of this sanctuary, that we would be different than when we walked in this morning. Lord, open our hearts, open our ears to be receptive to whatever it is that you would have for us this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we ask. Amen. You can be seated. Now, I... Knowing that we're talking about wisdom this morning, I did locate some places in which we can find wisdom. One of which probably came from the Thanksgiving table. See if you can help answer or fill in the blanks for some of these uh, words of wisdom, right? Slow and steady. Y'all still hitting that turkey pretty hard or something? Slow and steady. Okay. All right. Look before you. All right. Don't put all your eggs in the same basket, right? Two heads are better. A penny saved is a... Well done, all right? I can tell you're super enthusiastic about these uh, words of wisdom. So you know these practical words of wisdom that you probably received. I also uh, looked up and I asked um, artificial intelligence. Maybe you're looking for uh, a place to get wisdom and apparently we're all going to be replaced by AI at some point. So I went to AI and asked it, give me some good wisdom. Five things it told me. Follow your dreams. My dreams have been pretty crazy lately, so don't think I need to follow those. Embrace your uniqueness. Don't be afraid to fail. Be kind to yourself. And live in the present moment is what AI taught me. But there are three more that I've heard around a dinner table that maybe I need your help with. These three are some that uh, I've heard from traditional wisdom that I don't quite understand. Uh, First is don't take any wooden nickels. Anybody? It doesn't quite cut the mustard. And it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. Those are maybe some different wisdom points that I didn't quite understand. But today, today we're going to look at God's good wisdom that he has given for us and to us and through us, through his word. And how we ask the question, what is wisdom? 
You've got a blank sheet of paper and we're going to utilize it well this morning. So what is wisdom? What is the wisdom that we're searching for and seeking after? And you could consider this part two of James 1, 5 through 8 that we discussed a few months ago. The Bible says, if you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. We know that the Lord enjoys our request for wisdom, that he wants us to ask for wisdom, that he wants us to seek wisdom. And better than that, he gives wisdom generously and favorably without finding fault in us. So we know, first and foremost, the basic foundation that we would lay this morning is that God wants his people to seek after his wisdom and that he wants to lavish it on us. Today, we want to demonstrate what it looks like for us to have it, to hold on to it. It's as if James is writing and he's going to lift up the better quality of wisdom versus the world's wisdom. And I'm thankful that throughout Scripture, we see in so many places that the Bible doesn't just give prohibitions about what not to do. Right? Sometimes we get a bad rap about, hey, as believers, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. But in reality, the Bible is full of this is what it looks like when you live out your Christian faith well. This is what it looks like when you're living in the Spirit. You go to Galatians chapter 5 and chapter 6 and you see the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see what it looks like when a heart is consumed by the Spirit of God. This is what it looks like. This is what it is. You'll see it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. This is what it looks like. But on the flip side, you see what it looks like when a heart is not given to the fruit of the Spirit. When the heart is filled with the fruit of the flesh, you see idolatry, sexual immorality, impurity, dissensions, envy, bitterness, jealousy. All these things are the fruit of the flesh. And so you see Paul writing to the Galatians saying, this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is what it looks like. This is the good. And then you see the fruit of the flesh. This is bad. This is not what you want. And if you have this, you need to have a heart and inspection to see what's there, what needs to be taken away. You all know as well as I do, I've not made it any um, secret that I am not a handyman. I can barely swing a hammer, uh, do a screwdriver, and I'm also not much of a mechanic. Right, I recently had an incident where we needed a new tire, so we took it to the, uh, or we thought we may need a new tire, so I took it to the tire store and walked in, and you know, I, I try to not act as if I'm as dumb as I am, so I try to walk in and they say, hey man, you really need new tires, and so, well, hey, can you show me, I really want to make sure, check behind your work, make sure you know what you're doing too, and so he, he walked in the tires, and I'm looking at these tires thinking, these are not, I mean, they're not that bad, right? I mean, it's the wife's van, so we we'll probably need to get new tires and make sure she's taken care of. But I wanted to see, are they really as bad as you say they are, Mr. Mechanic Man? And so I begin to look at him and think, these tires are not that bad. I, you know, the tread may be a little bit. And so he, he took a little experiment. He said, I want you to look at these tires. And, and he brought over a brand new tire. And he said, I just want you to see the difference in the two. And almost as soon as you see a brand new tire with the tread deep and you see all the different things, you begin to see, yes, these tires are indeed Horrible. They are what you call bald, right? And they need to be replaced. Because at the end of the day, if you keep on with these tires, they're going to be leading our family, the minivan, into some deep and, and maybe dire circumstances. And when you hold up the new, the better, the good, it shows you how bad the bad is. And in that moment, you say, get these tires off the car. It's going to lead us to probably probable death. If we keep these tires on the car, we've got to get good tires, good, well tires. What can we do to get the good tires on this thing? In the same way, you look at what James and what Paul do. He's lifting up the better, saying, this is right. This is good. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Spirit. 
This is what you're searching after, seeking after. And if you don't see this in your life, look at what you need to do to get rid of these bad tires, these balding tires, and get you on some fresh, good tires that are going to lead you to a good, right place. So this morning, we are going to ask the question that James asks. What and who is wise among you? What does it look like to be wise among us? So I know you've got a blank outline. I'm going to give you a few points you can write down or you can just write whatever the Lord puts in your heart. Number one that I've got is wisdom is the practical application of knowledge and truth. Wisdom is the practical application of knowledge and truth. As you see in your text that who is wise among you, verse 13, he says, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. James is writing, telling us that wisdom is practical application of the knowledge and truth that you have. Wisdom is putting into practice that which you have learned and been taught. Wisdom is putting it into the practical application of your day-to-day life. Uh, I read about a pastor who told a story of one of his best friends who constantly drove him crazy. Everywhere they went, he would never wear a seatbelt. And it would drive him crazy and this pastor would say, friend, you've got to wear a seatbelt. This is the dumbest thing. Why would you not wear a seatbelt? Don't you hate the dinging of the car every time you get in for the first 15 minutes you're in the car? Just put the seatbelt on. And he would say, ah, it's not that big of a deal. I'm a safe driver. It's not a big deal. And he would say, just please put the seatbelt on. It would drive him nuts. And one day the pastor and this friend got into the car and this friend just reached over, put his seatbelt on and went on his merry way. And the pastor looked at him in amazement and said, hey, what's the deal? Did you get some new information? What changed? And he said, well, I went and visited a friend who was in a car wreck and didn't have a seatbelt on, and it's changed my perspective on, on wearing a seatbelt. In that moment, the friend didn't have new information. He knew all the different things. People had told him over so many years, hey, wear a seatbelt, or this could happen. Wear a seatbelt, wear a seatbelt, wear a seatbelt. But at the end of the day, it was seeing it with fresh application to be reminded that I need to take the application in my mind and actually click the seatbelt on. Friends, for us, in essence, our deep theological knowledge, our scripture memorization, our daily Bible readings and Bible studies, if they are not showing up in our daily life, what is going amiss in our souls? We can have every bit of practical understanding and knowledge and insight from the Bible and deep wealth of theological knowledge and understanding, but if it is not hitting our day-to-day practical life, what good is it doing our soul? If you look, it says, but if bitter jealousy and selfish ambition is in your hearts. If you recall last week, we talked about taming our tongues and out of the overflow of the mouth, the heart speaks. As we've read the book of James, we've understood that James is not written just verse by verse. And he's saying, hey, here's this verse, take it. It's written in the context by which it's lied. And we've talked about how James has said faith without works is dead because we recognize that we recognize faith. We recognize the wisdom that's in us comes out of us in some way. But if bitter jealousy and selfish ambition is in your hearts, this is why we talked extensively last week about guarding the doorway of your heart the wisdom that you're letting into your soul, the things that you're allowing into your heart. Because we're seeing once again a bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. If it's in your heart, it's, gonna, it's what's going to come out of you and your actions and attitudes and reactions to what's happening around you. If bitter jealousy 
and selfish ambition. These are the words that James uses for us, bitter jealousy, selfish ambition. If it's in your heart, it's what's going to come out of your soul. It's going to come out of your actions and reactions. But then James goes on to say in verse 15, this is not wisdom that comes down from, from above. But it's earthly, unspiritual, and James would even call it demonic these are some heavy words. I want us to see this so clearly. So I, w- I want you to take your order of service or your, your blank outline here. And I want you to just draw a T-chart, all right? Let's go back to school for a second. A T-chart, if you know, it's going to look a little bit like this. It's, it's a T. And so if you would, just draw a T-chart where you have one side and one side. And I want you to put two headings at the top. I want you to put on the left side, prideful and selfish is your top moniker. Prideful and selfish wisdom. And on the right side, I want you to put humble and meekness wisdom. And I want you to see the descriptors of what James is writing. On the left side, under prideful and selfish, first you have earthly. This wisdom or this knowledge that comes not from the the Father of lights down from above is first of all earthly. If you had to put a moniker on what earthly wisdom would look like, I think it would look a lot like selfish ambition and bitter jealousy. It would say things like, do what is best for you. Maybe not what's right, but what's right for me. Earthly wisdom puts you at the center of the orbit of the world. Earthly wisdom would say, not what's better for everybody else, but what's better for you. Follow your heart, follow your dreams, follow what's good for you, follow what makes you happy, follow what makes you feel right, follow what puts you at the center. Earthly wisdom puts you at the center of it all. Unspiritual would be the second word. So you got earthly and then unspiritual. One of the scariest places that I have seen pastorally is taking nuggets of advice and thoughts and baptizing it in spiritual language to make it feel right. To make it feel good. Wisdom that does not come down from above is unspiritual, masquerading as spiritual knowledge and spiritual wisdom. It's baptizing sin in a way that would make it feel right and look right so that you would be appeased and you would be pleased. This selfish ambition This bitter jealousy is earthly, it's unspiritual, and James would even call it demonic. It would take a lot for us to talk about demonic wisdom, demonic, that's selfish ambition and bitter jealousy. But what do we know the enemy does but come to seek to steal, kill, and destroy? So don't you know that advice, wisdom that would not come down from above would be that which would lead you down a pathway that is destructive in nature? unspiritual, baptized in spiritual language, leading people down a pathway that would lead you to destruction is demonic in nature. And and what is the result of these three things? You see earthly, unspiritual, and demonic influences would lead to disorder. And as James says, every vile practice. I want you to see this left side of your column. You've got what is selfish and pride-filled wisdom. What, it, what is the result of it is earthly wisdom, unspiritual, demonic, disorder, and every vile practice. 
This is the fruit of selfish ambition and jealous wisdom. But this is where I love James and Paul and the gospel writer because they present a better way. On the right-hand column, I want you to write humility and meekness. And what does James write? What does it look like? Wisdom from above is this. This is what wisdom looks like that is coming from the fruit of the Spirit. This is wisdom in its truest and rightest form. What is it? Pure. First and foremost, it's pure. Then it's peaceable. Write these down underneath on the right side. First it's pure. Then it's peaceable. Then it's gentle. Then it's open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Write those things down and and take a good gander at them on your T-shaped chart on your piece of paper. Look at what God's wisdom does for God's people. First it's pure, then it's peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Hold these two things up and say which one is from the Spirit of God and which one is from not the Spirit of God. What do you long for? What does our world long for? What does this church need? What do the people around you need? What has God called you into? When you hold those two things up and you say, what does this look like? What does it look like in my life? Do I see myself being full of bitter envy? Do I see myself being full of every vile practice? Do you see in our culture, in our world, how everything spurs off of these particular things? First and foremost, this wisdom from above is pure. It's holy, devoted. It brings order to chaos. It brings purpose to purposelessness. It is first and foremost pure, meaning it's not mixed with error or sin. We're seeking after God's pure wisdom. That would come to the Lord and say, Lord, I need your wisdom. Don't don't let me have my influences and biases into it, Lord. I need your wisdom, pure wisdom, Lord. Not with the mixture of what I want and what I think, but Lord, I want your pure wisdom. So Lord, help me to root out the places and things in my life that would seek after my wants and my wills, but your will, your way, Lord. It is pure And see the last on this list is it is sincere. It's sincere. And when you look at what James is trying to write, who is wise among you by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness and the humility of his wisdom. James is writing, telling us, you see who is wise by how they live their life, their good conduct that they live, that what you see is what you get. So it would mean for me, number two on your outline, is to run from non-godly wisdom. Run from it. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, these are the outcomes. Get rid of it in your own soul and the wise person is going to recognize their dependency and their great need for God's grace in their life. If you need an anecdote for pride and selfish ambition in your life, Take yourself to the foot of the cross. Take yourself right smack dab to the foot of the cross. If you need an anecdote to pride in your life, recognize that without Jesus, we are nothing. Without Jesus, we have no hope. Without Jesus, we are dead in our sins and trespasses. If you need an anecdote to selfish ambition and bitter jealousy, recognize who you are before Jesus what you are before Jesus. 
And so not only run from God, non-godly wisdom, but chase after wisdom that is from above. Seek after it. As we talked about many months ago, seek after it more than gold and rubies and anything in this world. Seek after it. Chase after it. Wake up in the morning saying, Lord, help me. Be wise. I want to spend my last few moments on verse 18. Verse 18 in my heart is where I want to leave you, I want to give us a charge this morning in verse 18, partnering with it, what we talked about last week with the taming of our tongue. If we know wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, read that list, soak on that list, that that wisdom is peaceable, it's gentle and open to reason, full of mercy, then that would lead us to number four, which is be a peacemaker. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. As we watch what's happening in our world, in our city, in our state, in our homes, in our families, in the places that we live in, peace is hard to come by. Peace is hard. And I think this is why James would tell us a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Peace is not simple. Peace doesn't come easy. Peace is hard and peace is messy, friends. It's going to take every bit of wisdom for us to be peaceable and gentle, self-reserved, open to reason in the midst of all the messiness, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial as things are coming at us, and sincere. We see Jesus say, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give peace. I give a peace that surpasses all understanding. I have found in, in my life that people are searching desperately for peace. People are searching desperately for some measure of peace in their life. And I have found that usually they seek after peace in selfish ambition, saying if I can just get this, then it'll give me peace. If I can just do this, it'll give me peace. If I can just get to the beach, it'll give me peace. If I can just get this amount of money, it'll give me peace. If I can just smoke this, it'll give me peace. If I can just drink this enough, it'll give me peace. If I can get this promotion, it'll give me peace. If I can find this, it'll give me peace. If I can get this set, it'll give me peace. And at the end of the day, each of those things bring momentary reprieve, momentary numbness, but do not give peace. We, as God's people, are called to be peacemakers. In the relationships that God has called us to enter into, in the circumstances that God has blessed us to be a part of, in the individual lives that God has led us to, we are called to be peacemakers. And can I tell you, of all the things that we do, this can be one of the most difficult tasks that are in front of us. Because life and circumstances are as messy as messy gets. But I think back to John chapter 15. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. 
And all the while we look at what the demonic forces of this world and the unspiritual and the earthly wisdom that would give us, the, the disorder in every vile practice. Friends, I hope that we as a church would seek after verse 17. That we would seek after wisdom that is from above, that is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. And that a harvest of righteousness would be sown in peace by those of us who make peace. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, I, I confess so much of what I've read this morning is difficult. I confess at times that that wisdom is not the wisdom that I seek. And so, Lord, would you help me to seek after your wisdom more than anything else? Lord, it's clear that wisdom that is not from above, that you are the source of wisdom, and wisdom that is not from above can lead us to destructive places. We've watched it in our world. We've watched it in our relationships. So Lord, thank you for showing us a better way. Thank you that you've wired us well to chase after your wisdom, to depend on your wisdom, to lead us to life and righteousness and peace. Lord, where we are weak, would you make us strong? Where we are unwise, would you give us your wisdom? Would you help us every day to take the next right step of wise, faithful obedience that you bring us into? Lord, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.